Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins Extra. This is a special episode that we have planned for you and it is all surrounding the January transfer window. What we're going to be doing here is we are going to be looking through the teams, we're going to be talking about the transfer rumours and what sorts of players need to come in to um, each of the, the 20 Premier League sides. Lads, I'm just going to start it with some of the strongest rumours and um, some of the rumours around teams that are, are actively active within the market at the minute. So first team I'm going to start off with then is just Arsenal. Um, obviously Arsenal, uh, top of the league at the minute, five points clear at the top. Um, City won their game there last night, so Arsenal still still top of the pack. But they've been linked very heavily with Mikhailo Mudrik of Shakhtar Donetsk, the young winger. Um, he's had a fantastic Champions League campaign. Um, has also had a, had a great league campaign this year. Um, he has scored uh, so it, just in the Champions League this year. He has three goals. He, he ranks first. Um in the club for Champions League goals. He has two assists, which is first in the club. Ten dribbles completed, first in the club. 18 touches in the opposition box, which is first in the club. And he's five chances created, which is second in the club. Oren, Mudrik, what do you make of it? Now, the, the fee reported is that Shakhtar are taking no less than 70 million euros up front. What do you think about that price for a player like that? Um... Like it's tough. Like he's obviously a good player. Uh, I watched him against Celtic twice this year in the Champions League, and he was far and away Shakhtar's best player in my opinion. He won Shakhtar the game uh, against Celtic. Um, he was the only real spark for them. Uh, he should have had more assists than the two he's got because the people around him couldn't finish. Yes, uh, he scored a wonderful goal against Celtic as well. Um, look, he showed his pace. He showed his versatility as well. He was coming off the left, coming off the right, up front. He was back defending the times and all as well. Um, seventy millions a lot of money. Uh, Arsenal need to reinforce this January, in my opinion, if they want to keep up this title charge. Um, whether they need a left winger is another question. Whenever they've got the likes of Martinelli and Smith Rowe on the bench, um, and they've still got Reese Nelson on the bench there as well. Um, but look, they need reinforcements. It's a lot of money. It is going to be a risk no matter what, but he is a quality, quality player. And if Arsenal don't get him now, somebody else is just going to pick him up for the same fee in the summer. Yeah. Look, a lot of people were were thinking that a summer transfer was probably going to be more likely for a player, the quality of Mudrik. Um, Connor, do you see this being a realistic deal that can be done in January for Arsenal then? Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it could happen, but it's going to be difficult. I've seen the... Um, the initial was at 40 million or plus 20 add on or something. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking Grealish money. They were saying your boys, the sports sport director, director yeah. yeah, he says we're looking Grealish money, and Grealish was like 90 million or something. Um, he's being compared to like I've seen like Vinicius Jr. and Neymar. Like, he is good. I've seen him, I've seen him as well in the Champions League. He is their best player, he was their best player by a mile. And as Oren said, you know, he created so many chances, but they just kept missing. Uh, He's 16 goal contributions in 16 games. As you said, he was the best player in the Champions League. I do think it could be summer with Arsenal. I do agree. If they're going to fight for the title, they probably need to bring in one or two players. But I think the more realistic, they probably sign players in the summer. 
Yeah, I could see that being the case as well. To be honest, um, I know Arsenal's board have had a, have been very proactive, um, within transfer markets and have definitely backed Arteta, um, as much as he's needed to be backed. Um, I think Mudrik definitely makes Arsenal a better player, or definitely makes Arsenal a better team. Sorry, um, I think he brings up a pace and a directness that maybe some of their wingers currently lack at the minute, um. I think Martinelli and Saka are special talents, but I just feel like Mudrik would add that raw sort of untapped potential to that side that that I believe a good coach like Arteta could get the best out of a player like that. But then as for the outgoings at Arsenal, lads, um, the only one that's being talked about really at the minute is um, Cedric Suarez to Fulham. Um, Fulham obviously have Kenny Tete at right back and Kevin Mbappé. Um, I've from what I've seen on Twitter, um, a lot of Fulham fans not very happy with Kevin Mbappé. Don't think he's that good of a player. Obviously, he's a he's a FIFA legend um, because <laughs> of that wicked pace that he always had. Um, but Fulham fans really don't like him. Connor, do you think Cedric would be a good addition to um Fulham squad then as a as a possible backup right back to Kenny Tet? Yeah, as you were saying there, um. They're definitely looking at a right back. I've seen they're also linked to Soufal as well. But mm-hmm. Cedric, yeah, he's <clears throat> he's Premier League proven. He played for Southampton. Good player. I was surprised. He, <clears throat> sorry, I'm surprised he went to um, he went to Arsenal at the time. But yeah, he's struggling. He's not going to start for Arsenal. He's not going to get game time. So yeah, he could be a good. He could be a good player for Fulham. And Fulham are playing well. And uh, as you said, um, they signed the right back in the summer, and he's been very disappointing. So maybe a backup right back is what they need, and Cedric probably do the job. Yeah, or and Cedric's obviously been in the Premier League now for, for a long time, um, probably played his, his best football at Southampton, but he's he's been a steady Eddie at Arsenal, really. He's come in there a few times um, when they've had injuries at right-back, um, and he's he's managed to fill the void. Obviously, Ben White's playing right-back at the minute. Tommy Yasu's coming back into the Arsenal fold now, too. Do you think it would be the right move for him to, to possibly move on now and look to get football elsewhere? Yeah, I would say so. Um, but it depends where his ambitions are as well. Because if he thinks Arsenal's gonna win the league, if he genuinely thinks Arsenal's gonna win the league, he'll stay. He'll have no reason to go. Um, but if if he if he is looking game time or whatever, um, he, he will go. But then again, like as you say, he's he's Premier League proven. You both said he's Premier League proven, and he is. And he has done it for Arsenal as well when he's been needed. He's, he's done a job. Like, he is just one of them right-backs. He will, he'll he'll do a job for you. He's not going to be Hakimi, like, but he is going to do a job for you. Yeah. Um, he done particularly well for them when they won the FA Cup uh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, no. Look, if he goes to Fulham, it's a good move for him because he will play at Fulham, probably. I know Kenny Tete is playing really well, but I, I do think... Cedric Suarez is, is a better player than him and of course being Portuguese and Marco Silva that link is obviously going to be made as well um, but look whether he stays or goes I don't think it'll have much of an impact on either team both of them's going well and look it, unless there's a big injury he's not going to get playing yeah I think I, I would sort of be in the same boat as you, um, Oren. I think it would be a good move for Cedric, yes. And I think there's definitely the possibility that he goes into that Fulham side and, and displaces Kenny Tete and and starts ahead of him. And and it's like you said there, Oren, he is Premier League proven. <clears throat> he's been in this league now for a long, long time. Um, I think he's actually been in this league coming up almost on 10 years now. He is a bit of a veteran and, and he definitely would add experience to that Fulham squad and help solidify their place within possibly the top 10 this year um 
But yeah, that, that's that's really the, they're the biggest rumors with Arsenal at the minute. Now I'm going to cut to an individual player here as well because there's a lot of noise being made around this player at the minute, and I just want to get your opinions on it. Had a very stellar World Cup. Came into the Argentina midfield, looked so so comfortable in there at at the age of of twenty two, but Enzo Fernandez, lads, he is being talked about quite a bit on on social media. Um, a lot of the paper talk is surrounding Enzo Fernandez at the minute, and actually, literally just sixteen minutes ago here, um, I have a tweet from the zone, and it's the Benfica president Rui Costa. He is insisting that if anybody wants Enzo Fernandez in January, they will have to pay his release clause of £106 million. It's a lot of money, Oren. Um, do you foresee anybody spending that kind of money in January on a player like that? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is a fellow who went to Benfica for €10 million. Euros. It's absolutely ridiculous. Lucky he had a good World Cup. Plenty of players have good World Cups. It's ridiculous money. He is a great midfielder, and I'll not take that away from him. And he will. I, I do realistically think he's worth a fee of between sixty and, like in today's market, between sixty and eighty million in today's market. And I'm not saying he's worth that, but in today's market, that's what he would likely cost. I think if a team takes up big a gamble on a player who's had a decent World Cup, and yes, he's had a good start to the season with Benfica, but if 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 a team, if a major team in Europe spends one hundred and six million pound on him after World Cup performances, there's something seriously, seriously wrong. Well, look, Connor. The teams that are interested in Enzo Fernandez and have, that have been monitoring his situation are Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City. Um, then you have a couple of European teams in there as well. Bayern Munich reportedly looking at him, and Real Madrid as well. Um, look, it's a, obviously we were saying it's a lot of it's it's a lot of money to pay for a player in January. Um, that's saying here that Chelsea is actually the strongest. Um, they're in the strongest position to sign him at the minute, apparently. Is that something that you believe will get done in the summer rather than, than in a transfer window like January? Um, yeah, it could, it could be the summer. The only thing is, he's very high-valued at the minute, obviously. So a lot of teams are in for him. So maybe like a team like Chelsea would think, maybe we'll not get him in the summer. Um, this is the opportunity. I've seen Newcastle linked him too, but I think Eddie Howe was like, you just can't take a player's performance off the World Cup. You know, we've seen it before, players in the World Cup. Obviously, this guy's young. He's a good player. He's playing for a decent team in FICA. But I think it'd be a huge risk to spend a hundred and I think it's 108 million or something. His release clauses, that would be yeah. ridiculous money. And I don't think it's worth the risk, especially in a January transfer window. I don't think United will get him because, obviously, I don't think they're going to spend the money in January. So I think it would be Chelsea would be the most likely option. But it'd be, it'd be a huge risk in a way because it's a lot of money. And I know he's performed well at the World Cup. But we've had players like Hamid Rodriguez who have played well at the World Cups and then have not lived up to the potential, really. So it's a risk. And I, I would think summer time would probably be more realistic. Yeah, I think that's totally fair enough, to be honest. Um, it's a lot of money to go out and spend on a player, um, especially in the January transfer window when, when money is a wee bit tighter. Um, okay, then, lads, another player that's generating an, a, a lot of interest from a lot of the top clubs. Um Again, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, all monitoring this player's situation at the minute. Joe Felix of Atletico Madrid, again, had a fantastic World Cup. But for me personally, lads, and, and look, you can disagree with me if you want, I don't think Joe Felix's career has amounted to a whole pile. Um, I can remember when he sort of broke onto the scene in, in 2018-19. 
and uh, you know everybody thought this kid was going to be a superstar signed for Atleti in the summer of 2019 for 105 million um and I just don't think his career has amounted to all that much ever since. Look, I know he's been part of a, a title-winning Atleti side, but his best goals return in a La Liga season is 13. Um, it's not great numbers for a guy who's who's supposed to be a striker. Um, look, he has versatility. He can play anywhere in the front three. Connor, do you see Felix um, as a realistic prospect for any of those sides then in January? Um, I think... They were saying he's obviously linked to Arsenal, but I think Arsenal, well, the rumours at the minute are they're kind of going off the deal because they're, it's an £8 million loan fee and then you're going to have to pay all his wages. And I think he's on good money, over two hundred grand a week. I think it is a huge risk as well. He, he's played well at the World Cup, but as you said, what was his goal contribution most 13 or something? Like, 13, yeah. Yeah, I guess not, not special. Um, He's obviously young. Six months, you could say, oh, it's, it's not that big of a risk because... You know, if worse comes to worse, you can go back. But I do. I don't really. I. I don't see. You know, I don't even think United. I don't know if he would even suit United to be honest, because United need like an out and out striker. I think, as you said, he's versatile. He can play the wing and all, but I don't think he's like an out and out striker. So yeah, for me, he doesn't suit United. Arsenal are backing out of him. I. I could see him. I know Atletico Madrid are looking rid of him, but you know, they're they've already came out and said they're looking rid of him so the other clubs should probably maybe just wait and then he probably in the summer could be cheaper because he's not in um Simeone's plans so is he even going to play is the question so I don't know what the big I know he's had a good World Cup but I don't know what the big fuss is about if you know what I mean like yeah no I I do get that to be honest again I, I feel the same way as you Connor um a lot of people sort of big up Felix and talk about him and and in a very positive light, but you know, whenever I've seen him, I haven't really been that impressed with him. To be completely honest, look, I know he did have a good World Cup and he put in some good performances, but like in the likes of the Champions League, when I've watched him, I've just thought he's been average enough. To be completely honest, or there's three names really on on Man United striker list at the minute, um, and it's all seemingly going to be loan deals. Um, the news broke last night from David Ornstein that United do not have money to spend in January. Um, so the prospect of signing a permanent striker wasn't happening. It would have to be a short-term fix. So there's, th- there's three names that have cropped up here um, on, on the loan list at the minute. It's Joe Felix, um, Memphis Depay, and Alvaro Morata. Now, out of those three names, who do you think is most likely to suit Man United and who gets them the most goals? Hang on, disagree with what he hasn't said, Joe Felix. I think Joe Felix is a very good striker. Um, and I think, like you were saying there about his performances in the Champions League, he destroyed us in the Champions League twice. Um, he was probably Atletico's best player against us, other than Renan Lodi, who's now somehow at Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's easy to look at Joe Felix's numbers and say he's underperformed. Yes, he hasn't matched the price tag. That's Everybody knows that. But uh, all these big signings that go to Flatico don't score goals. Um, it's I seen a tweet about it the other day, and it was like, the best career move for any footballer is to go to Flatico Madrid, because if you score goals and, prefer, and uh, perform well, it's all down to you. But if you flop, it's because of Simeone's system. Matias Cunha just went to Wolves. And obviously he was linked for Foss in the summer. Uh, and everybody was saying how talented and stuff he was. His numbers weren't great either. And his dad, who's his agent, came out 
uh, as soon as the Wolves move was completed and said um, it's impossible for any striker to succeed under Simeone's system. And I agree with that. Like, we've all watched Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. We hate watching Atletico Madrid because they're the worst team in the world to watch. They're the most horrid team in terms of defence. Even their aggressiveness and, like, lack of sportsmanship is just awful to watch, in my opinion. Um, Look, I, I don't see why there's any reason why we couldn't go for Jay Felix and Memphis to pay. A lot of people are saying they don't want Memphis to pay back, and that's fair enough, but we need options, and that's just the simple fact of it. And there's limited options in general. Like, we've been talking on the podcast since we started it about the lack of striking options anyway, let alone loan options for January. Yeah. So if, if it's loan deals that we're going for, which it looks to be, I don't see why there's no any reason why we couldn't go for Joe Felix and and Memphis to pay because we do need just we need attacking options and we need players that are that are going to come in as a quick fix if this is what they're going for. I don't think of Almirad as it. He's been in the Premier League before and couldn't do it. He's been to all these other clubs, major clubs for major transfer fees, and I've never got it to be honest. I think he's a good striker, but I've never I've never understood it. Now, there's a reason why all these big clubs sell them all. Um. So yeah, I would say Joe Felix and Memphis Depay, there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't get them both. But if it was my own personal preference, I would want Joe Felix because he's young, hungry, and I think it would fit in Hague's system. Yeah, look, I think that's a fair enough assessment, to be honest, Oren. Um, look, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, um, I, I do think it is harder for strikers at Atletico to succeed almost because they do play such negative football that when it comes to goal scoring, it's almost like the striker has to do all the work himself. Um, I just, in my personal opinion, though, I just don't know if Felix cuts the mustard in the Premier League, to be honest. I'm not sure he's physical enough for it. I'm not sure that... Like, Felix doesn't really have any attributes um, that sort of stick out to me that, that, like, top strikers would have because, like, I wouldn't say he's necessarily fast. Um... I think he's good on the ball, definitely. Um, but I wouldn't even say he's that good of a creator either. I don't think he really brings players into play all that much. Um, and again, I think his, his finishing's decent. I wouldn't say it's like the elite level. But look, maybe, like who knows, maybe Ten Hag could get a, a tune out of a player like that. Um, See, I just think it's it's difficult to go by his stats, especially... Like, when did he sign for them? 2019 or 2020? What was it? Uh, 2019, yeah. 19, Summer yeah. of 2019? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, two of the years he's been there, they also signed Luis Suarez, who was playing striker. So, he wasn't even playing in his natural position, Joe Felix. Mm-hmm. And look, he didn't score as many goals as he should have for the price tag. Like, it's ridiculous the amount that he didn't score that many goals. And I, I fully agree with that. But, like, Suarez, his first season at Atletico, was fantastic. Like, he had 21 goals in 32 league games. But his second season, which everybody was still bigging him up, and I know he ended up leaving, he only had 11 goals as well. There mm-hmm. isn't many goals in the Atletico side, mm-hmm. just because of the style of football they play and the way their manage, the manager sets up the team. So, for not playing in his natural position, he's clearly unhappy. We can see that he can do it for Portugal. I think it's a no-brainer for United, especially when there is such limited options available in January, let alone loan options. Well, look, I think if they got to pay on Felix, it would be 
I think it would be good to be honest. Look, I know, I, I, I know a lot of fans wouldn't be happy if Memphis Dubai come back through the doors. But yeah. do you know what? Like from his left United, he has proved everywhere he's been that he can score goals. Um, and I think he's a more mature player now. And I, I think he would add. I, I personally like. Um, I know Warren, you said you would go for Felix out of the two, but I, I think I, I would be more swinging towards Depay to be honest. Um, I think he would. I think he's more of a natural striker. Um, as opposed to um, Felix, I think because he's been playing striker now for the last, I, I don't know, five, six years, he's become accustomed to the position. And I feel like he would probably be, be a wee bit more effective for United than, than Felix would. But if they manage to get yeah. both of them, it'd be great to have those sort of two options to no, feed off. I'd agree with the pie. Because even for Barcelona last season, like he wasn't playing that badly. He was scoring goals. Um, but the only thing is about the pie, I was reading that he, was, he might try to stay because he wants a more lucrative deal in the summer do you know like uh, because he'll be a free agent yeah yeah but i think one i don't think united would be able to get both to be honest i think one and i would probably go to pay as well well i'll, I'll move move on now to to um a few of the the sort of confirmed transfers now um obviously the first one to talk about is uh the dutch superstar cody gakbo um he has snubbed man united in favor of liverpool um that that was made official last night he was pictured in the liverpool shirt contract till 2028 big big contract for cody gakbo um connor what are United missing out on and, and what are Liverpool gaining with a player like Cody Gakbo? Well, as I said yesterday, you know, we mentioned on the podcast, you know, it's it was a surprising um signing for me, Liverpool signing him. Obviously, he's obviously a good player. Gakpo was seen at the World Cup, he can score goals, he's obviously um assists as well for PSV uh this season. He's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously United obviously need a striker and they're having the money so they were just like we'll go for we'll miss out on him which was surprising because I thought he, Ten Hag he would have suited Ten Hag and he's that kind of player he would have played off the wing and uh, then maybe Rashford up front I don't know what happened there to be honest but we've probably probably missed out on a good player and a player that's young and he probably will succeed at Liverpool because as we've seen when players go to Liverpool usually succeed on under clap. Yeah, they do. They do. But it it, it was gotten to see, but all the best them. Do you know what, Connor? Fair play. That because I'm gonna fuck them off. Yeah. So well, fair play to you for being so you know, nice about all the best them, lad. <laughs> Oren, look, it's a relatively low fee, thirty seven million, and the package could raise to um could raise to fifty million with add ons. Um Personally, Oren, I'm sitting here at the minute and I, I'm actually quite annoyed because I feel like this is just another fucking transfer that United have fucked up um, mm-hmm. and allowed somebody else to nip in and, and take a player that's going to hit that sort of world-class level. What's your overall take on it? What do Liverpool get with a player like like Cody Gakbo? Um, It's difficult to say because I have got a bit of sore grapes about the whole thing. Um, but... Cody Gakpo, as soon as the summer transfer window ended, <clears throat> excuse me, in all of his interviews and all, he said, I wanna I wanna play for Manchester United. That's where I wanna go. Yeah. Um so I think they're getting someone who wants to play for Manchester United. <laughs> but um look, Ten Hag wanted him. It was no secret that Ten Hag wanted him. The club apparently doesn't have the money. So I don't think it's so much that he snubbed Man United, but Man United didn't actually go back in for him. 
Um, but look, he's obviously going to add goals. He's obviously going to add assists. It depends where Liverpool play him. Um, Liverpool have a lot of attacking options. There could be a lot of times when Gakpo, unless he starts performing straight away, I think I think the first five games for Gakpo is going to be crucial to his mm-hmm. Liverpool career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many options. Well, sorry, I'll say the first five games whenever they have all their attacking options fit. Because they've still Jota, they've still Diaz, the Firmino, Salah, Nunes. You know, they've and they've a young fella Carvalho, the Harvey Elliott, they have a lot of attacking options. And I think yeah, them first five games are going to be crucial for Gakpo. He's going to need to make an impact because we, we see what Liverpool's like. Liverpool's very much like United in terms of the fans drive a lot of the opinions. But what I will say about Liverpool is they're not stupid. They've seen this deal for Gakpo was available. They say PSV have made him available. 37 raising to 50 million. I would say PSV weren't stupid in that deal and it's likely going to end up 50 million. It's hardly going to be bond door clauses and stuff like this here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll be appearances and maybe goals, yeah. assists, yeah. that kind of it's thing. It's going to be attainable add-ons. Uh, so let's say it's a £50 million deal. Liverpool's not stupid because they see the potential in this player, see how young he is, seeing all the clubs that were after him. Like, it wasn't just United linked with him. Real Madrid was linked with him. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, all the biggest clubs in the world were linked with this fella. And rightfully so, he had a great season last season, great start to the season this season, and a great World Cup. So he's obviously showed he's consistent. Um, But it is a big risk as well for Liverpool as well. Look, it's an investment, fifty million. They're gonna even if it doesn't work out, they're gonna recoup a bit of that because they are a good selling club as well. Liverpool fair play, um. But look at the Memphis to pay transfer to Manchester United from PSV. He was putting up numbers like that, season after season. He had a good World Cup. He came to United, didn't happen. It depends how he adapts. I think he will, but. It is just going to be crucial then. First five to ten games for him, he's going to need to make an instant impact. Even like Nunes is. Because Nunes, even though he's not scoring all the chances that he's making, the cop still loves him because he's he's there. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. he shows the passion for the club. If Gakpo can show his passion for Liverpool and stuff, it'll work out okay. But then first, I do just think then first five to ten games, especially when they have all their attacking options there, it's going to be crucial because... Whether he gets into a starting eleven every game, who knows? That that's the thing as well. I was going to say is just uh, I thought he would have you know he'd have played more time at Man United because once Diaz comes back, he's a fan favorite and he's been playing really well. I think they're obviously going to start Salah and then Nunes is their ninety million pound striker, so they're going to play him as well. It's it is going to be a case he's going to have to hit the ground running, and as we said. Um, Dutch players, or not Dutch players, but players that have played in that Dutch league haven't always succeeded once they get out of it with the pay and even Van de Beek's been poor and Ziyech has struggled. So it'll be it'll be good to see whether he is that world-class talent that like he has shown in the Dutch league, but this is a big step up. Yeah, definitely, definitely agreed. Look, I remember, I remember when we were so heavily linked with um Gakbo. Um, there's a guy I watch on on YouTube. Um, he's called Tactics Explained, and he's he's really really good for like doing player profiles and even just talking about managers like tactics. And he goes really really in depth, and you, you can see um you can see exactly what he's saying. But he did a scouting report on Gakbo, and um. He highlighted all the pros and showed what Gakpo was good at doing: direct, front to goal, um, take men on, finishing 
different level, assists, different level. But he said um, the one negative with Gakpo was he can't play with his back to goal. Um, and he, he showed a number of clips then that, that, that sort of proved that. And Gakpo struggled with his, his back to goal. That's why when we were in for him, I was sort of concerned if he was going to be signed as a striker because our strikers do tend to play with their back to goal. Um and this sort of concerned me a wee bit. But listen, if he's playing on the left for Liverpool, I, th- I don't think that'll be a problem for them. Um, but if he is playing down the middle, just Liverpool fans, that is a that, that is a big weakness in his game. And don't get me wrong, it's not something the Klopp couldn't coach into the fella, but um, it is just an apparent weakness with, with that fella's game. So I'll move it on now to centre-backs. Um, Chelsea, they're on the verge of signing um, Monaco's Benoit Badashile, left-footed centre-back. Young talent, young prospect. Um, what do we think of that deal, then, Connor? Does does Barashile make Chelsea um stronger at the back? Yeah, I was surprised by that deal as well. Obviously, left footed centre back. What they need, young player. Um, I think we mentioned yesterday how highly rated he is. He's played a few games for France. Didn't make the World Cup squad, but France have so many good centre backs. Um, they've spent so much money on centre backs. You know, Kubali in the summer, Fafana obviously got injured, but. It, it is a bit of a surprise one because they've spent so much money on centre-backs. I mm-hmm. think Chelsea have other priorities. I think midfield is a big priority that they need because Chiante is going to leave. Jorginho's maybe going to leave. Obviously, it's a, it's a good young player um, playing well for Monaco, but I think they need to strengthen elsewhere. Uh, but we'll just have to see how he plays. Um, but as, as I said, he's, he's highly rated. Yeah, definitely. Look, he, he's he's earned the praise of the likes of Deschamps as well. Um, defensive coach called him one of the best prospects in in world football, especially for the for defensive levels. Oren, do you think a, a player like Barashile comes into Chelsea straight away and starts? Look, we're talking at the minute the fee is reportedly about thirty five to forty million euros. Um, or do you think it it'll maybe take a player like that a bit of time before he can establish himself in a side <laughs> like Chelsea? It's it's interesting. Um, like I agree with you both. I think Balotelli is a good prospect. He's a good player, clearly. But I think it's a it's an odd transfer for Chelsea. Just I think it shows a bit of a lack of trust in Fofana. Obviously, he's been injured a whole bunch, and I think that's why that lack of trust is showing. I do think Balotelli is being signed as a replacement to Thiago Silva. Yeah. Um. So it makes sense. You need the depth, especially because. When we've seen the in, the injuries for Chelsea, they're having to rely on Cucurella in left centre half. Yes, and like Cucurella, no harm to him, hasn't been playing well in his natural position of left back, let alone in left centre half. <laughs> so they did need a left footed centre back to come in. So it makes sense for Chelsea whether he starts or not straight away. I can't see him starting ahead of Thiago Silva or Koulibaly. Um, but I think for the future, it, it it's a sign in that actually does make sense for the long run. Because he is going to work, like we mentioned it just day, he's going to work under Thiago Silva and Koulibaly, two very, very experienced players, especially Thiago Silva. Like he's been there, he's done it all. Yeah. Um. So he's going to work under him. He can only improve under his wing. Um. It depends. It, it it's it's difficult to know where he's going to play though, because I've seen whenever David Ornstein was reporting on it, he was reporting on him as a left back option, and. It was Fabrizio Romano who was saying he was a left centre back. So it, it, there could be a ver- bit of versatility there. I haven't seen a lot of Bodice I'm not going to lie to you. 
Um, so I don't yeah. know where his best natural position is. Well, I, he has I'm played short sure centre half. He, he has, or and he's played um o- over seventy percent of his games this season have been played at at left centre back and yeah. a and a back five. We we'll see a back five as well. It's a different system and stuff too. Like, um, if it is a back five, the Potter plays, and you know what he's like. Potter doesn't really know his best team at Chelsea yet, mm-hmm. um. So he could well play in a back five, and if he does go to a back five, it is likely Potter Shide will play in that left left centre back role because he will put Cucurella or Chilwell out on the left, um, and it it'll stop him from using Cucurella in left centre back, which I always thought was ridiculous because he's not good enough to play there in my opinion. Yeah. Um, look, it's a signing that makes sense for the for the long run, but if it's a Potter signing, it makes sense now because Potter needs his own players. Um, and if he is going to go to a back five, it makes sense. But if he's not, to have him as a backup, it's a lot of money to have for a backup centre back. But look, Thiago Silva's getting on in age. There's no reason why he couldn't get injured. Koulibaly's got an injury record from his time at Napoli and stuff, so. I'm sure it'll work out. It's just a lot of money to spend in January on a player who is so young and quite inexperienced in Europe's top leagues. Yeah, look, I I'm, I would be in agreement with you, Orn. I think it is a lot of money for a player who's who's not had a lot of first team football. Um, but look, he is he is uh, rated quite highly as a prospect. Um, cutting to another prospect, then uh, this guy actually being linked with two teams at the minute. Um. Vaudreuil of of Leipzig obviously had a fantastic World Cup was was probably the standout defender, um and in, in in this year's World Cup, um has been going really from strength to strength. He's also being linked to Chelsea for the summer, but he's also being linked to Tottenham Hotspur as well for the summer, um Spurs and I I know you know from speaking to Oshin, Spurs very eager to get a left footed centre back. Um, in through the door, and Oshin believes that there is a lot of money to be spent at Spurs in the summer, um, especially if Conte stays on. I know, obviously, we thought yesterday in the podcast he he, he wouldn't continue with with Spurs, but look, Gavadriol is going to be a good signing for either of those sides. But for himself, Oren, where do you think the best place is to go? Um. I don't know. I, I would say Mon City, to be honest. Uh, they're one of the clubs that's linked with them. Um, it's a lot of money for for Yasko uh, He is a great player, and we've seen it in the World Cup. Um, he can play left-back, he can play centre-back. I'm sure if you threw him a goalkeeper, he'd do a job for you too. He's just one of them players. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, yeah, talking about £90 million and around that, it, it's a lot of money for any club. Um I can't see him going to Spurs because just I, I just can't see them spending that money on, on a centre-back. I think if they were to spend big on a centre-back, they should probably go for the likes of Milan Skriniar from Inter. Well, they're actually um, linked with another player from Inter as well, but I'll, I'll get to that after. Skriniar's free in the summer as well, so he could be he could be accessible in January. Well, Skriniar will be an, an interesting one, but they're actually, Spurs are the, the biggest one they're being linked with at the minute is actually Bastoni of yeah. Inter. They're linked to him in the summer as well. Yeah. Well, it's it's clear that they need a centre half to partner with Romero, um, but I I can't see it being Yasko Borio. I, I don't think even and no offence to Spurs because obviously Spurs are a huge huge team. I just don't think it would match Yasko Borio's ambitions, uh, because 
look, if if they do go and sign him for a hundred million, they need other they need other signings. It's not like Yasko Vardiel is going to come in and win them a Premier League. That's not what's going to happen. Um, but wherever he goes, he's going to succeed. Uh, I just I can't see it being Tottenham Hotspur. I think they should look elsewhere. I, th- I think they should look at the likes of Bastoni and they should look at Skriniar because they're attainable options for them for the price that they they would probably want to pay. And yeah. they're very, very, very good centre-halves. They've shown it in Europe. They've shown it in Italy. So one of them could definitely strengthen Tottenham and they would need to strengthen above that too. They need to look at midfield options. They need depth and striking options. I don't think Yasko Vardial is the one for Tottenham, but wherever Yasko Vardial does go, he will succeed. Yeah, I, look, I, I think Gavardial is a, a good option for whoever gets him because realistically, you know, that could be your centre-back for the next 10 years um, if you manage to to grab Gavardial. And like I would say, yes, 90 million is a lot of money, but you could look at it as an investment as well because obviously if he comes in and he performs well for a club and he does want to eventually leave then, you know, you could easily charge 120, 130 million for, for a player like that because his ceiling, in my opinion, is just that high. Yes, um, I, I agree with that too. Yeah. But do you, do you, in your heart of hearts, think that Tottenham would allow a transfer like that to happen? I am. Um, Given their track record of transfers. And it depends on the scenario as well because it's more likely to happen in the summer and Conte may not be there and they may not have Champions League football. So. Yeah, I it's, see. Yeah. I do. I think it comes down to look if Conte commits himself to Spurs, like there, there's talk of a two-year contract being being floated about now at the minute. If Conte has signed that and committed himself to Spurs, I definitely think the board will be much more open to backing him. And I feel like if the the manager and the club's vision align, and he says to them, "I need Gavadriol," like Gavadriol is the player I need. I do think Levy would sanction a move like that because I actually think Spurs have been more. Out of all Spurs' managers in the past few years, I think Conte has actually been the one that's been back the most. Now, don't get me wrong, I still think Spurs need at least two or three sign-ins before they could even talk about competing for anything. But yeah. I do think, out of all those re- most recent managers, I think Conte is the one that has has been given the, the most leeway with transfers. I mean, what they brought in, was it five or six, um, this window? You know, they spent £70 million on Richarlison. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The same players last January as well. And yeah, that's what basically got them Champions League football. Them signings. You know, so. it, it's not as if Spurs haven't spent money for Conte. So I feel like if he did sign the contract, both the club and the manager's vision aligned. I, I do think they would spend that kind of money on on Gavardial. Uh, and do you think that it w- that yeah. Gavardial would pick uh, Tottenham no. over all the clubs that he's been linked with? Um. I think if Spurs showed the most realistic interest, you know, if Spurs were to go out, you know, let's say a summer transfer window opens and Spurs slap 90 million on on the table of Leipzig and they're the most active, I don't see why he wouldn't, to be honest. Um, look, I, I, I've only seen Gavadriol in the World Cup. I haven't seen him play at club level. Um, I don't really know what he's like as a player. I don't I don't know his personality. Um most players' dreams is just to play in the Premier League, not specifically for a, a, a certain team. It is literally just to play in the Premier League. And I think if Spurs were the most active and, and the ones that wanted to set the precedence, I don't see why he wouldn't. And especially think, like, if it is Conte as their manager, why would you not want to work under a world-class manager like Conte, especially as a defender? 
but he probably will have the option of going to like a Man City or, or Pep Guardiola. Your or or Real Madrid, you could be competing for Champions League's league titles. Like yeah. I think if they come in, he'll go to them. 100%. Look, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think if, if one of those big sides comes in and they're the 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 most active, he's probably going to select them over Spurs. But like what I just mean is if. If, if other sides are hemming and hawing about doing it and Spurs are the ones that are proactive and want to get it done, um, I don't see why he wouldn't sign for Spurs. I agree with that to an extent as well. And I do think if, if it genuinely came down to it and it was Tottenham or Chelsea, I'd be picking Tottenham because I wouldn't want to work under Potter if I had the opportunity to work under Antonio Conte. Mm-hmm. But that would be my only reason because, look, I just don't think... I think Spurs are still a good few signings in a couple of years off competing again. Um. But I think Chelsea are just closer, and to match my ambitions, I would want to go to Chelsea because they're like they're a recent Champions League winner, and a lot of people forget that. And I think if it was between the two, if it was a footballing decision, I'd be picking Chelsea. Or sorry, if it was a club decision, I'd be picking Chelsea. But if it's a managerial decision, I'd want to be playing under Antonio Conte. Yeah, look, that's that's totally fair enough, lad. Totally fair enough. Um, okay, I've got to move it on then to a goalkeeper now. Um, th- this is a goalkeeper that's being linked to actually a lot of Premier League sides at the minute. Um, some big, some small. Uh, Diogo Costa of um, Porto. Obviously, big target for Man United, but also a target, um, believe it or not, for Manchester City. Uh, a target for uh, Fulham and a target for Everton as a long-term replacement for Pickford. Now, obviously, look, there, there are four sides that are at different places in the Premier League tables. There are four sides that are different periods of their um, of their tenureship under managers. Um, but look, Diogo Costa, he had a he had a decent World Cup. He made a couple of mistakes. Um, but he has been very, very good um, at club level. Connor, do you think Diogo Costa is a, a realistic possibility for, for some of those clubs then? Yeah, obviously he had a decent World Cup. He obviously made the near made the mistake against I think it was Ghana. But um, young keeper plays for Porto. You know, I think he would be a realistic option for a lot of clubs. Um, United's a weird one. Uh, it probably depends if De Gea gets a new deal, but he could come in as like a backup and then maybe uh get first team football after that. But I do think I do think he is a decent keeper. I haven't seen that much of him to be honest. But uh, obviously at the World Cup he, he played well. And he probably he probably will get a move. I don't know if it'll be in January or maybe in the summer, but mm-hmm. obviously maybe like a Fulham could be an option, but maybe he'll have more ambitious, you know, I hit targets in his career play. than a Fulham. He probably yeah, he thinks if he's getting linked to United or like a City, he must be thinking um, he could probably play at a top club. Yeah. Oren, look, he, he's very much sort of, you know, the, the modern day goalkeeper as as we would sort of profile him. Um, what do you like about him? What sort of attributes do you think he brings to a team? I like that he comes out for the ball. Obviously, we've seen in the World Cup that it doesn't always work for him. But um, look, he's a young keeper. He's going to, he needs to have them experiences to grow as a professional and as a footballer. Um. I think he would offer a lot to Manchester United, especially as Connor said with the the, the contract situation. It looks like he's going to be number two on lower wages. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ten Hag was talking before the not in a forest game, and <laughs> I was read, I was trying to read between the lines, and the way I was reading it, there's absolutely no future for Dean Henderson at Manchester United. 
Um, oh, no chance. So I'd be shocked if we didn't go for him. Um, look, he's he's young. He's he's doing brilliant in the Champions League for Porto. Um, and like we'll have to remember, this is in front of quite an old defence at Porto. Uh, like obviously Pepe is still fucking class. We've seen it at the World Cup and all as well. But uh, he has a lot to do. Diogo Costa and his distribution. I love his distribution. Like he's he's two assists in the Champions League from goalkeeper. Like that's insane. It's good going. Like it's insane. He's good penalty saver as well. Yeah, he is. He's he's a good shot stopper. He has all the attributes to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, and it's just whether he reaches that potential with the right coaching, the right mentality, um, and hopefully he stays out of his own head too much and stays stays away from the the egotistical footballers. Um. So yeah, there's, there's absolutely no reason why Diogo Costa can't race to the top, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who it is he goes to, whoever it is, because it, it looks like he will go in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I, I completely agree with you, Warren. I do think he sort of has that world class potential. Um, but it, it's up to him now to select the right club, and it's up to him now to select the the right form of coaching that he wants. I also agree with you, Connor. I think it just depends on De Gea's contract situation, um, as to whether he goes to Man United or not. Because obviously, look, I think if he goes to Man City, he doesn't play ahead of Ederson. To be honest, could he be a long term replacement for Ederson? Possibly, but um, I'd be very surprised if he went to City. So would I. So would I. I, I just they invested a lot in Ederson, didn't they? It was like fifty million they paid Benfica or something, or sixty yeah, million or they something. Did. They did. So yeah. And and Diogo Costas, he just signed a new contract there after the World Cup. So he will be going in the summer for whatever his release clause is, which I think now is seventy million pound. Yeah. I would be very, very, very surprised if Man City paid seventy million pound for a goalkeeper when they've already paid 50 60 for Anderson, who yeah. is still a phenomenal goalkeeper. And again, that's why I think that puts Fulham out of the race too. Like they invested in Leno last summer, who has been playing yeah. very well for them. I can't see them going in for Costa. Now, could I see Everton doing it? With the way that their owners spend money, yeah, I could, to be honest. And and, a, and as a replacement for Pickford long-term, I could see that being a possibility for Everton. But I think, look, no disrespect to Everton. Um, One of my best friends bloody supports Everton, so I'll not say anything too harsh. But if it comes down to a player picking Man United or Everton, they're probably going to pick Man United. And I think it would be a better move for him himself to come to to a team like Man United as opposed to a team like Everton. Um all right lads I have, I have one more here just to talk about. Um he's just signed for Nottingham Forest. Um Brazilian centre defensive midfielder Gustavo Scarpa. Widely regarded in Brazil as one of the best defensive midfielders. Um he is regarded as the best defensive midfielder in that league. He is available to play from Nottingham Forest from uh the the, the first of January. Look, lads, obviously we watched Man United playing at Forest the other night um, and we've seen Forest quite a lot throughout this season. Do you think midfield was the area that they needed to strengthen in the most or would you say there's, there was maybe another position that, that needed filled before um, before midfield was even tackled? It's difficult. It is difficult because we've talked about it just today as well. Like the same like 23 players in the summer. They signed two full teams worth of players. They kind of went against the roots and what brought them back to the Premier League. Yeah. Which is fair enough because you need to invest. You do need to invest if you want to uh, compete in the big time. Um, I don't know if... 
look, if he's this widely regarded, I don't understand why bigger clubs wouldn't have went in for him. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Look, it's so difficult to talk about Nottingham Forest because, because they made so many signings, they haven't had a chance to gel. So why would you bring in another player who they're going to have to gel with as well, especially in that midfield where they stack the midfield transfers? Um, like they've only really stuck with Ryan Yates and he scored that this leg goal the other night like do you know what I mean so he shows promise I suppose as well and Miguel was alright as well they've got decent players I just I don't think they should have signed anybody this window to be honest maybe a striker a backup striker because you can't rely on Sam Surridge I don't know it's, it's it's so difficult to talk about Nottingham Forest whenever they made so many transfers they should have gave them a chance to gel before they went in for anybody else in that position at least yeah, look, it's such I, a crucial position. Uh, look, I, I, I think that's totally fair enough, Warren. Um, Connor, look, this guy, Scarpa, look, there's no point in us pretending. None of us watch the Brazilian <laughs> League. You know, we, we've never seen him play. But look, I, I have a, a scout report from him here um, that says he's an all-action, um, dominating midfielder. Um, he puts up uh, by four. This report says uh, the the highest numbers of ball recoveries within the Brazilian league. He's known to be an aggressor. Um, he's known he's actually liable for a red card apparently. Um, but look, do you think that sort of aggression and that high intensity is, is something that Forest need within that midfield, or did you think the balance was all right the way it is? Well, I Forest the other night were dreadful to be honest, and they probably do need a player like this. But I say he's he was um. His contract had expired in January, so as Orn was saying, I'm surprised no one else was in for him if he's this good, um, especially on a free. But like, I think with Force, it is they've signed 23 players in the summer. They're, they haven't jailed. They're just looking more signings. I see they're after like Orn Long, centre back, and they need. They're looking at another striker. I just I think for Forrest, it's just I think it's too little, too late. I think they're they're gonna go down. Um, they're trying to be fair, but I think it was to do with that they got up through the championship with a, like a complete shock. They got up through the playoffs. They hadn't they had a lot of players on loan. They didn't have them signed, mm-hmm. um, so they had to get rid of them. And I think they're going to get rid of more players. I've seen one of their players there went to Sevilla in January, but it can't hurt them. This player coming in unless he gets sent off consistently. But I do think for Forced, I think they're in big trouble, and I think they will be relegated. Yeah, look, I, that that's fair enough. Um, sorry, lads, sorry, I just have one more to talk about, and then that's us done. Um, we we sort of alluded to him a wee bit earlier. Um, Matthias Cunha has signed for uh for Wolves. Um, it's a it's a record transfer fee for them, fifty million pounds. Um, look, Cunha, I can remember when he scored that goal for Leipzig. It was obviously all over social media. It was a fantastic goal. Um, his return. When he went to Atletico, as you said, Oren, his numbers weren't great there either. But look, it's hard for strikers to succeed in the Simeone system. But look, 50 million, Connor, is it too much for a player like that? Or do you see it as more of an, an investment for the future? It seems it seems to be an investment for the future. With Wolves, they definitely need a striker. They've really struggled this season to score goals. Jimenez obviously got the injury and hasn't been scoring. As you said, as well, he hasn't scored. I've seen the stats here. It's 11 games this season, zero goals for Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Obviously playing for Atletico Madrid. 17 in all competitions and zero goals. Zero goals, which is terrible. He's a striker. But, 
and he's a striker. Uh, it is a weird one. They obviously sign him on loan and then he signs in the summer, but 55 million, that's like it's crazy. He is 23, as you said, it could be he's young. Um, obviously, he was at, I think he was at Orby Leisbach and then he was at Hertha Berlin and he <laughs> played okay. Orby, I don't even say their name right. <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, Orby Pigsback, man. Pigsback. Leisbach. But. Like he's 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 capped for Brazil here. He's eight caps for Brazil, but I honestly, I think it is a fifty-five million is a ridiculous price for a twenty-three-year-old who has zero goals this season. But yeah. they do need it. They need a striker. They're going to risk it with him, and they'll just have to see how it works out. Well, that's it. Or in it, it's touted that it, that that was also going to be a double deal as well with um Felipe from Atletico Madrid going to Wolves as well. I think the negotiations for that transfer are still ongoing at the minute. I think he, the the players actually reluctant to leave Atletico, whereas Simeone is trying to push the player on. Look, if they did manage to get Cunha and Felipe, is that enough to take them off the bottom of the Premier League table? Um, look, I think even if. Wolves didn't sign anybody in this window. I don't think they're going to go down anyway, especially with Julian Lapetegui uh, at at the head. Um, just to go to Cunha again, like it is a it's a difficult transfer. Like fifty, and I've said that about fucking every transfer. I've literally used the word difficult so many times in this thing. But fifty five million, as we've said, zero goals. Like it's seventeen appearances, but it's only five hundred and ten minutes. Yeah. So he hasn't played any full games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then again, he's still a striker. He needs to be scoring goals. And it was the same with Jay Felix. Like, we were talking about his lack of contributions and stuff. He had 16 contributions last year in what would have been 22 full games, 90 minutes, which isn't a bad return by any stretch. Um, I think Wolves, if they are going to strengthen, it was them two positions that we've mentioned. It was striker and centre half because mm-hmm. they, need the, they need the defensively. I think getting rid of Connor Cody, I still cannot understand that transfer in my head at all. Yeah, I can understand that he probably wanted to go back to Merseyside, like, but from Wolves' perspective, to lose their captain like that, that doesn't make sense to me. If it was being a hundred percent honest, now I can't see him leaving Spurs just because of their current situation at right back, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to go back for Matt Doherty, even on a six-month loan. Um. Someone with a bit of character knows the club. Uh, is a is a born leader. Um, he, he knows the ins and outs of the club. Knows how to play. Knows their style. Knows everything about them. So I don't I don't think that would be too bad a deal. But I think they need, yeah, they need defensive reinforcements definitely because of a great goalkeeper. Hank Jose is brilliant. Um, I think whenever Jimenez is back fully, I I don't think Jimenez has looked the same since that head injury. No, he, he definitely um, hasn't. No, he's been struggling. So I think even now with a bit of quality competition, because look, Marius Cunha does have quality. Um, he wouldn't be being picked for Brazil if he wasn't a quality player. He wouldn't have played for Atletico Madrid if he wasn't a quality player. He wouldn't have played for RB Leipzig if he wasn't a quality player. And he definitely wouldn't have went for this fee if Julian Lopetegui didn't think he was good enough. Um, so look, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, it's a lot of money for a club that is down at the bottom and it's it's a risky transfer for the player himself but as we said earlier he obviously wanted out of Diego Simeone's system because it wasn't suiting him and it wasn't suiting his qualities like most strikers under him but look nobody's gonna it's, it, it would be different 
if it was Man United paying £55 million for this player, or Liverpool, or Chelsea. Because if it didn't work out, he would know about it. It'd be all over the play, all over the papers, all over everything. It's not. It's going to go a bit under the radar, I think, this transfer fee, just because it is at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, so if he doesn't succeed, I don't think much will be said about the transfer fee unless it's really, really, really bad. But if it does succeed, it's a masterstroke by Lapetegui because he'd be able to sell him on for a bit more. It's a fine line, but we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, look, I and any time that I've seen Cunha play, I've actually really, really enjoyed watching him. I think he is a very talented player. He's sort of like your your typical Brazilian. Um, there, there's a lot of flair there. He can definitely beat a man. Um, you know, look, maybe maybe his finishing's not not at that required level yet. But you know, it's like you said, Oren. Like Wolves have a world class head coach now. Lapetegui is one of the best there is out there. And I think if anybody can get the best out of good attackers, it's it's Lapetegui. Um, look, I don't think that I paid fifty five million for nothing. Um, this guy's coming in. He obviously has a reputation and. I do think it ultimately it's it's going to be a good signing for Wolves. Look, folks, I think we'll leave it there. Um, that's that, that's our, our first transfer special. I think we'll probably have another one of these coming um a couple of weeks into the window, and then we'll we'll maybe we'll maybe have a sort of transfer review. Um, by the time the window shuts, then in January. Um, so this so this is the first part of our our transfer episodes. Um. Yeah, all we can do is just hang off on, until more news comes in. Um, once again, you can find us on the Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports on the Apple App Store. Come and join in the football conversation with us. If you haven't uh, heard yesterday's episode, please go ahead and check that out. That's episode four. The Premier League is back. We're, we're just so happy to have Premier League content back, lads, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Finally away from that World Cup shit. Yeah. <laughs> International football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, find us on the Parallel Sports app. Check out episode four. You can find us on all major platforms. Um, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all, all that good stuff. So keep a lookout for us there. Keep a bottom bins and keep subscribed to us. Thank you very much. Thank you, folks. Thanks very much.